every step of the way was a challenge because I just didn't fit in. I didn't belong. I was not the what people saw as the person that fit into that position. Today's episode is sponsored by Encourage X, where you can manage all of your encouragement needs in one place, personal, authentic, and consistent. EncourageX.com, where relationships mean everything. Hello, our Voices Matter audience. I have missed you. Welcome to our first episode of 2020. I hope the new year is off to a great start for you, and it certainly is here for us as we welcome our guest, Maria Moncada Aloui, who is the general manager of BMW of West Houston and just an overall rock star. Um, Maria and I have been friends for a few years now, and I'm a huge fan of you personally, professionally, and one of the reasons that I I wanted to kick off the new year with you and just talking about your success um, just as a businesswoman, also as a businesswoman in a male-dominated industry, and talk a little bit about you, your backstory, how business is going, and just your thoughts about kind of where we are as a country today, the usual stuff that we talk about here on Our Voices Matter. Nothing real serious, right? (laughs) How are you? Well, Linda, first of all, thank you for having me. It's an honor. And as far as fans, I'm your biggest fan and I'm super excited to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have you. So um, I know a lot about your story, but I'm going to let you kind of tell our audience how it is that you ended up being the general manager of one of the most successful BMW dealerships in the country. So I started off in the automotive industry many years ago, over 20 years ago, right fresh out of high school. I had an opportunity to work in an administrative support position, staff role, um, in a Chevy dealership, one of the biggest Chevy dealerships in the country. And I was putting myself through college. I'm one of seven kids. So in order to be able to pay for college, I had to pay my way through. Um, The automotive industry paid really well. So I started off as a receptionist slash secretary for a Chevy store. Um, And as I started learning more about the industry, I fell in love with the industry and I decided to make it my career. And that's how I got started in the automotive industry. So at the time that you started, how many women did you see doing what you're doing now? Very few women. As a matter of fact, my dad was a little bit hesitant to not allow me, but to have me working in the automotive industry. I was very young. Um, I had just graduated high school. right about to be 18 and he's saying you want to work in a car dealership with all these guys are you sure and i remember what they paid and it was more than any administrative role paid at the time so i was like absolutely that's where i want to work Mm -hmm. and i knew it would help me uh pay my way through college as i walked in and noticed there were very few women in the automotive industry and i think culturally there's been very little done since i started because the industry still made up of less than 19% women, Uh, less than 5% are general managers and less than 1% are technician. So that's one of my passions to help impact that and bring balance to an industry that I think would benefit from having the perspective of a woman. Exactly, exactly. And I I would imagine that also being a a woman of color, there are even fewer. Am Am I right? 
Yes, you are right. There's there's a very few of us. Do you have any um, any stories from your early days of um, when you kind of just did not feel like you quite fit in? Does anything stand out in terms of a, a, a quick story that you could share with us that that kind of set you back on your heels and and then how you overcame that? I would tell you, you know, I think one of the benefits was growing up in Houston, growing up in an area called Aleph. Um, it was a very eclectic area. We had every ethnicity, every color. Um, so I learned to interact with different groups, whether it was Vietnamese, Chinese, Arabic, um, Indian, Hindu. I mean, we just were a very eclectic melting pot. And I think it's reflective of what our city is, Houston. Um, so I think it gave me a little bit of an advantage in the automotive industry because I am dealing with clients from all walks of life, <clears throat> as well as employees that are from all walks of life. And I think my dealership reflects our city. We have a very um, diverse group of people working in our dealership. And so growing up in the automotive industry, when I first started, I remember I remember <clears throat> looking around and there wasn't a lot of different ethnicities represented. And I often wonder why, because the industry is so much fun. Mm -hmm. It is such a great career um, for, for so many and I didn't understand it. So yes, there were times where I could tell that I was a little bit of the oddball in a group. Um, and what I did is I kind of sat back, listened, learned, and then did my very best so that I could show that I belonged there. I didn't want to be bullied out. I didn't want to be pushed out. I wanted to make sure that I had an opportunity to prove that I could do what everybody else was doing. And I knew I had to do it exceptionally well to earn my place in the industry, especially when I didn't quite fit in. I love that you say that. You didn't want to be bullied out. You didn't want to be pushed out. I would imagine that there were people who tried to do that. Mm -hmm. And your approach was to listen learn and then do your best. Yeah, I, I knew I had to show up, step up and improve myself. And I think that just like I found people that were trying to bully me, bully me out, I found a lot of great men that supported me, challenged me, wanted me to compete side by side with them and felt that I was a worthy opponent. And to this day, I still find those that find me a very worthy opponent and constantly challenge me to be better. When people walk into your, your dealership and um, maybe for the first time, and when you're introduced as the GM, do you have any, what, what is usually their response? Yeah, I've had a little bit of everything. I've had people smile and kind of feel a little bit more at ease, like, oh, wow, this this is great. You're, you're so young. I've, I don't know if they tell me that recently, <laughs> but before I'd get that a lot. Um, or they are, they're pleasantly surprised. I've had a few people go, well, where's your boss? <laughs> and so a and little bit say, of everything. I am the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I am the boss. You also talked about um, growing up in Houston and the, the diversity that that's here, you have a very eclectic ethnic background yourself. So if I got this right, your dad is from Honduras, right? Correct. Your mother's from Spain, mm -hmm. and you are married to a man named Omar, who is absolutely wonderful, by the way, from Morocco. Yes. So, wow, melting pot sitting right here in front of us. Absolutely. I think that's also a benefit.
benefit to me. I, you know, we have the Latin American uh, side with my dad, the European side with my mother, the Moroccan, Af Northern African side with Omar and his family. Um, and you're right, uh, Omar is wonderful. I'm so fortunate to have such a great supportive husband that is my biggest cheerleader and um, parents that were wonderful. I, I often think, you know, when God was distributing parents, he was so kind to me to give me two of the most amazing parents anyone could ever have. So, um, yeah, the, the, it's been a, a great blessing to be exposed to the different cultures, the different way of thinking. Um, my mother, being from Spain, grew up in a, um, with Franco who was a dictator and uh, was very much about right and wrong. There's no gray area, very disciplined. Um, and that's how Spain was back then. My dad, Honduran, working uh, for the government of Honduras, a little bit different, you know. Um, Latin America's been known to be difficult to do business, a little bit corrupt. And so my dad always gave us the example of integrity, of being able to do the right thing regardless of the pressures. And didn't just talk about it, he definitely led by example. So interesting um, hearing those two different perspectives from your parents' backgrounds. And I'm, I'm wondering, especially talking about how your mom grew up um, under Franco, the, a dictator. Um, you know, we're, we're living in very um, uh, difficult and, and serious times right now, not only here in the United States, but globally. Um, and you have a, a, a global perspective just based on your background and your family and your experiences of growing up in a diverse city like Houston. I'm wondering what kinds of conversations you're having with your family members um, about where we are in the world today. What are those conversations like? You know, those conversations are so entertaining with my family. You'd think we'd all think alike. We were brought up by the same parents um, with very very high morals, very conservative values, and you'd think we'd all think very much alike. And when we get together, these conversations are so lively, so dynamic, and so diverse. It's incredible, but it's great to have a, a family members that you can have these healthy discussions and learn about a different perspective in a safe environment, right? Because your, your siblings love you regardless, right. your parents love you regardless. Um, and so you can give a different perspective, you can talk about it and almost see the other side from somebody you love. And Does that, it get heated? Oh yeah, it gets heated, but we know we walk away and still love each other. And uh, it gets very lively. Uh, as a matter of fact, Sunday, we just had a conversation that was very lively. We were talking about global warming and we were talking about the border and, and, and the fact that, you know, something needs to be done about both of those things. And regardless of what um, political party is in charge, as citizens of the world, we have a responsibility to improve and, and make a difference and make our contributions and do something about the things that need attention and uh, be the voice for those that don't have a voice. Right. I love that you say you have spirited conversations, you disagree, but at the end of the day, you're family members and you have each other's back and you walk away saying you love each other. There are families out there that don't have that same dynamic. Um, we hear stories about it all the time in the media about families who, you know, just number one, will not talk about politics because it's so divergent, the, the, the points of view are, and they don't know how to have that conversation where you express your opinion, 
I express my opinion, and then we come together. What What is your advice for families who have a difficult time um, expressing those diverse opinions and then coming together at the end of that conversation? How do you guys do it? I, I think because we love each other, we can have those conversations. We respect each other and we admire each other. Um, I have two nephews that are both um, in marketing for government officials. <laughs> And they are completely opposite than my sister, their mother, who is a very conservative Republican. They are representing folks in the Democratic Party in government, um, helping them get elected. And my sister's views are polarizing. We love each other. We uh, introduce different perspectives and we talk about it. And I think the key is love, respect, empathy and compassion. I think if we approach every perspective with a compassionate um, heart in a, in a point of view of really trying to learn, seeking to understand rather than seeking to push your perspective, I think you can have productive conversations. And I think it can extend between, beyond our family, our immediate family. I think if as a world we looked at everybody's perspective from that point of seeking to understand in a compassionate perspective, I think we would get so much more accomplished. Empathy is, is, is so important. And something you said earlier um, in our conversation, which is listening. You know, we don't often li just listen. So often when we're in these conversations where divergent points of view are being expressed, we're thinking about what our comeback is going to be rather than listening to what is actually being said. Do you, do you find that sometimes? You know, recently I read the book, Shut Up and Listen, which now that phrase is okay to say. <laughs> yeah. My husband says it all the time uh -huh. because Tillman Fertitta wrote the book, Shut Up and Listen, <laughs> which I thoroughly enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And I would tell you that um, being able to get over yourself and listen to a different perspective is important, not just from a social perspective, but also in business. And I think that's one of the things I've learned to do in business, listen to my associates, listen to their perspective, listen to my customers, um, and listen to the trends in business. And then from a social perspective, I think it's important that we listen to what the community is saying, what, are, what, what people are going through, and figuring out how together we can resolve those issues. You do a lot of uh, community work here in, in Houston and um, what drives that for you? I think as business leaders, we have to lead beyond our business. And I think we are in a platform where we can really impact the community in a positive way. I think our associates need a sense of purpose beyond their normal day-to-day -day work and, and things that they do. And I think for us as uh, a dealership, we've been able to impact the community. And I think my team feels very proud of being able to lead with their hands, their hearts, and uh, in their mind, and make a positive impact in the community. We volunteer in the Houston Food Bank. We volunteer with Houston Children's Charity. We do things to raise funds so that we can elevate the community and help those less fortunate. We are privileged in what we have, and so they have a sense of purpose that they can make an impact in a positive way, and not just be about the bottom line, but. Um, I tell my team that it's about the triple bottom line, people, planet, and profits. And they're not exclusive of each other. You can have all three. 
people, planet, did you say? Yes, people, and, planet, and profits. People, planet, and profits. I like that. I like the that. The triple bottom line. Yeah, yeah. So how many are on your team now? How many are you So we're about 180 associates in my team. Wow. And uh, we've had as many as uh, 90 plus associates volunteer at the Houston Food Bank in one day. Um, I think we, we packed the most food and raised the most funds. And I know we won something called Hunger Games with the Houston Food <laughs> Banks. My team's competitive in every aspect. If they're going to win some, they're going to win every, every challenge. And they were so proud to win the Hunger Games. And, uh, and they did it for two years in a row where they volunteered the most hours, they raised the most money, and they packed the most food. And, uh, and I, I know you've, really got, proud of you've got a, a diverse team as well, um, ethnically as well as gender. Um, Back to what we were talking about before in terms of having the, the the difficult conversations, have you noticed anything among your team members as the sort of the societal stuff that's going on outside of the dealership? Does it ever seep into the workplace? And if so, how do you deal with that? What How do you have those conversations if they happen to come up, either among the team members themselves or team members and customers? You know, that's a great um question. I really haven't had that with our associates. I think that, you know, we, we work together on any any issues that are happening in the community. I know when Harvey happened, everybody rolled up their sleeves and we were eager to help each other and help out the community. Um, when there's issues happening, you know, right now that we're hearing the things that are happening in Australia, you know, they're, they're coming to me going, how can we help? And we all research and try to figure out how can we help? Mm -hmm. How can we make a difference? And so what I admire the most is that so many of them care and that they want to be a part of the solution and the change and that they care beyond our immediate business. So what I'm hearing is that when your team comes together that it's all about more about finding a solution and that's kind of where it where the, where the nucleus is it's not so much about differences or anything like that it's more about where are we now and how can we help yeah and you said about being the nucleus i i, I tell them we're the eye of the storm the eye of the storm is the quietest most at peace place of a storm and it's the one that controls the chaos around so we talk about being the eye of the storm as crazy as the world around us is, let's figure out how to control the situation, how to be the solution, and how to make a positive difference. But of course, a team is only as good as its leader. So what would you say are the most important leadership qualities that allow someone in your position to have and enjoy the kind of success that your dealership is having? I know you just came off of a, a great year at the end of 2019. Yeah, we were very fortunate, had a great 2019. Um, we, we represent a great brand. It doesn't hurt that we are selling BMWs, which <laughs> are pretty awesome. Um, but I would say that I think that the key aspects to be successful is having a strong team Team, surrounding yourself with talented people, people that are smart, that are sometimes better than you and, and, and that teach you things. Um, I think as a leader, you have to be a great listener. You have to be empathetic, compassionate. You have to genuinely care and you've got to show up every day. You've got to show up for your team and you've got to step up and not be scared. I, I, I tell everybody, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid of much. I worry about everything, but I'm not afraid to jump in and, and get things done. 
And what's your message to, um, particularly to young women out there who look at you and see you as a, as a role model, especially as someone who has, has enjoyed and is enjoying success in a male-dominated field? Um, what's your message to them beyond what you've already said about listening and rolling up your sleeves and working, et cetera? I would say I'm not a special snowflake. I think anybody can do and have success as long as you show up, you give it your all. Um, I often get asked, how did you get to the position you're in? How did you get to where you are? And I often say, I just didn't quit. I find too many people quit too soon. They, um, they find it challenged, they find it tough, and they give up. And if they had just stuck it through, they would have, uh, they would have found success. You know, things change constantly every day. And so having that resilience, that tenacity, that willingness to give it your all, attack everything with enthusiasm and, and the passion that, that you can, and, and that's what's gonna bring you success. Um, most people say, gosh, you found your passion at such an early age. I did, but I also took my parents' advice, which was anything you do, do it with enthusiasm, do it with passion, and do it to the best of your ability. Give the very best you can. And that passion just starts growing. And so that's what I would say. Tackle everything with enthusiasm and don't give up. Well, I think that's that's an incredible way to to live one's life, and um, the fact that you found your passion so so young, and you were able to take that and turn it into a really successful career. And I, I I'm going back one more time to what you said before about not being bullied out, not being pushed out. So when you come up against some sort of a challenge, um, you have to figure out a way to turn it around and make it an asset. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and learn and grow from those. Those challenges are there to make you stronger and wiser. I find most of my challenging um, situations, most of my most difficult situations became my greatest gifts because they prepared me for the next stage in my career. And they prepared me to be stronger and more resilient. Is there any one situation that you can think of that that you really learned the most from and how you kind of turned that around? Oh gosh, there's been so many throughout my career that um, every every step of the way was a challenge because I just didn't fit in, I didn't belong. I was not the what people saw as the person that fit into that position. Their preconceived idea of what that position and person should be. Right, what they should look like. Right. And so right. Um, constantly you get people looking at you with squinty eyes, kind of going, ah, oh, can this person do it? And so every step of the way I had to prove myself. And it wasn't just about doing the job well, it was about doing it exceptionally well because that's the only way you earn that spot. And so the thing with me is I knew no one was gonna outwork me. Whatever I had to do, there was, I mean, somebody else may be smarter, somebody else may be more talented, but they weren't going to outwork. And so whether the person who was kind of looking at you side-eyed, whether that person was a, um, a man or a woman, the, re the response was the same, to turn that, that person who wasn't quite sure about you and looked at you like the other, mm -hmm. to turn that person into an ally by yeah. working hard. And that's the biggest... Um, gratification that I've gotten, being able to turn somebody that didn't believe I could do it or didn't think I could and turning them around and saying, wow. And some of those folks are now my biggest advocates. Um, the people that sometimes gave me the hardest time early in my career, now I hear them 
on the side talking about how great I am and how they knew me when I first got started. <laughs> and I'm thinking, gosh, I was in a um, closet crying my eyes out because it was so tough. <laughs> and now you're my biggest advocate talking about how great I am and how you saw me start it in my career. Wow. Well, I think that's a wonderful testimonial and a great way for, for us to kick off the new year because um, people are setting their goals and setting their intentions now for what they want their their year to look like and uh, what they want the next decade to look like. And I, I, I think that you're the perfect person for us to, to kick off this year with. And uh, I hope that, that our audience is taking away a, a lot of what you've had to say in terms of uh, your success and how you've been able to achieve it. Well, thank you, Linda. And, and thank you for all your support. You know, we did Empower Together and we're yes, continuing we with that. And yes. we're, I think, you know, as business leaders, we have an opportunity to impact so many industries, not just our community, but also. And, and Empower, and in, tell them briefly what Empower is. So Empower is something we started to um, two women, a general manager from Porsche West and myself, and it was inspired by Shakti Leadership. It's a fellowship that we did in San Diego. Shakti meaning the energy from within. It's that female energy from within, the power from within. And so the idea is to help grow and empower women in automotive so that we can start getting them to move up and attracting more women into an industry that I think it's amazing, yeah. but it's certainly out of balance. Well, and your inaugural event here in Houston a, a few months ago was was phenomenal, and uh, I was honored to be a part of that and to emcee and and uh, just be in a room with, with so many passionate women who are looking to improve their careers and also attract more, more women into the automotive industry. So so, um, Maria, thank you so much. Just love you to death and just Likewise. can't wait until, to see what, what 2020 brings for you, BMW of West Houston, all your team members and, and all the community um, organizations that you support, including us, the Linda Laurel Scholarship yeah. Fund. And thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing to impact our community, to elevate it. Thank you for the support of my dealership and everything that you've done for me personally, for our, our dealership. And well, together, there's do. anything we can't do, right? So <laughs> That's 2020, right. bring it on. Bring it on. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch and listen today, for giving Maria permission to speak, and for having the courage to listen with an open mind. We'll see you next time.